16. Where do I get 276? It's not even anywhere on my paper. 276. Page 716. 716. You would have found your way eventually. Uh, 716. That's where we're going to start this morning. Um, <clears throat> I would like to, uh, to say, though, um, you know, Pastor John mentioned that uh, my sister Janelle did have her, her second baby, and I do think that I deserve a little bit of credit um, because, so when Timothy was born, uh, I actually preached that Sunday. Late that night, Sunday, she went into labor, had him the next day. Um, and then this time, I was thinking it might happen again. If she was, if she was here with us this morning, you know, it could have happened again that way. But uh, Friday, I just happened to grab the clean shirt off the top of my clothes, and it just so happened to be my uncle T-shirt. So, again, I think there, there's something going on there. But uh, um, definitely uh, uh, happy for that, happy to, uh, to have, have Bentley join the family now. Uh, but like I said, we are going to be in Luke chapter 2 to start this morning. Uh, but just to kind of uh, review, if you haven't been here the last couple of weeks, uh, we've been going through and talking about uh, celebrating the gift of salvation, Mary and Bright. And the first couple of weeks, um, <clears throat> Pastor John was talking about a, a couple of different things, and uh, we've been going through this idea of, of celebrating the gift of salvation. And we've looked at uh, the, how Christ's birth was the right gift at the right time, how it was, you know, perfect timing. It was exactly what we needed. Uh, and then we also talked about how it's the gift that keeps on giving. Okay, so this morning we're going to continue with this idea of celebrating the gift of Jesus, the gift of salvation. And we're going to be talking about how, how Jesus is the perfect gift for everyone on your list. All right, so the perfect gift for everyone on your list. So obviously this time, so this time of year, we all, we all have a list probably of people we have to buy things for. Raise your hand if you're all done buying Christmas gifts. All right, what about keep your hand up if you've already wrapped everything? Well, that's a little crazy, but uh, um, so I... Personally, I don't have everything currently. Everything is purchased. There are some things on the way. Um, I will not, I'll probably wait to the last minute to wrap everything. And I will say, in fact, I, I looked back at my phone from when I got the text that the new baby was born, and I went back and looked at my confirmation email. Six minutes after I got the text, I had a gift for the new baby. So I don't think anybody in the family can, can top that. Um, but now, I mean, I, I haven't even met him yet, so I don't know his interest. I decided I would just choose his, his interest for him. Um, don't want to give anything away for when Danielle and TJ, you know, watch the service. So don't want to give anything away for that. But we all have the list, right? We all have a list of people we want to buy for. And we all love to get that perfect gift for somebody, right? We all love this idea of maybe sometimes we, we just see it and we know that's the perfect gift for this person. Or maybe we've been thinking all year long, right? Some of us, we're, we're not good at get, getting gifts, Right? Now, I don't think any of us aim to give bad gifts, but some of us is just not our, our strength at all. Um, but we all love to get that perfect gift for somebody. And when we get a perfect gift for somebody, that's usually the gift that we're probably most excited to see somebody open, right? Now, again, I mean, there's probably a good chance we haven't all gotten a perfect gift for everybody on a list in one year. Um, if, that, if that's true, that's awesome. Good for you. Um, but... When we have that perfect gift that we've given somebody, that's the one we're super excited to see. You know, hopefully it's not the first one because then you just kind of check out when everybody else is opening their gifts. Um, but we all love to be able to give somebody that perfect gift. But like I said, this morning what we're going to talk about is a perfect gift for everybody on your list. So just think about that concept, right? That would be awesome if, if you could have the perfect gift for everybody on your list. 
For one, I mean, you would, if, if you got the perfect gift for everybody on your list, if that was me, I would probably just retire from gift giving. Be like, hope you guys all enjoyed that. That's the best I'm ever going to do. I'm going to end on a high note, and that's it, right? But, again, I, I don't think any of us have ever done that. If you have, I'd love to hear about that, see how you pulled that off. But like I said, this morning we're looking at the perfect gift for everybody on your list. Um, so, again, whether you've ever been able to actually do that with a physical gift or not, we are going to see how Jesus is that absolutely perfect gift. So let's uh, jump real quick into Luke chapter 2. As I said, we're going to read there, and we're just going to kind of make a connection with the, the, the Christmas story that we have in the Bible before we get, dive into our notes. And now, again, uh, if you haven't been here recently, we do have a, the, the notes where you can follow along on the app. So if you'd like to follow along and fill out the notes, kind of see how close are we to have him being done, whatever you want to use it for, um, you can pull that up. You can download the app, and, and we'll be able to uh, go through the notes that way. But Luke chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 8 through 11. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. It says, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. So let's go ahead and pray real quick, and then we will jump right into the text this morning. Dear God, I thank you just once again for this morning, for bringing us all together. I just thank you for the, the blessing that we already had as we got to, to see the, the children and the young ones to be able to sing and, and praise you and worship you. And God, I pray that we would, uh, as enjoyable as it is and, and uh, as fun as it is to watch that, I pray that we would also be encouraged. Uh, that there's no age limit to, to when we can worship you and, and glorify you and praise you, God. And I pray that we would be able to use that as an encouragement in the way that we live. Uh, that there's no limitations to how we can uh, glorify you, God. So again, I just thank you for that. I thank you for the time of worship that we've had together. And I just pray that as we go throughout this morning, as we go through uh, this message, that you would just give me the words that I wouldn't be my own. That you would just give me the words that you would have us here this morning as we look at the perfect gift of Jesus. I just pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, as I said, starting off. We have perfect gift, okay? Jesus is the perfect gift. We're going to go through and we'll look at four different reasons as to why Jesus is the perfect gift. And how we're going to do that is we're going to kind of think about, okay, what, what makes a perfect gift? So if you still haven't bought everything and you're trying to think of a perfect gift for somebody, maybe you can get a little bit of help from what makes a perfect gift. Um, now, again, it's not going to be anywhere near to the gift of Jesus, but maybe you can come close. We'll see. So first of all, a perfect gift meets a need. A perfect gift meets a need. Again, now when it comes to physical gifts, simply meeting a need isn't always the best thing to do, right? We've, I've heard stories about people who've gotten a gift for somebody, well, this is perfect because this is exactly what you need. That's great. I actually did need this, but as a, as a Christmas gift, maybe, maybe kind of missed the mark. Or Pastor John talked, I think, a couple weeks ago about how, you know, especially when you're kids, uh, you might get socks or clothes and things like that. That's something that you absolutely need, Okay but that's not something you really want to open up on Christmas, right? And as you get older and you're a kid, you're thinking, listen, you're my parent. Like, it's your job to supply this to me. Like, you have to clothe me. How is this a gift? But we won't, we won't get into that. But so the idea of just something that meets a need, it, it's not always, that's not all it takes just to make a perfect gift. But a perfect gift does indeed meet a need. So Romans 6, 23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Right there, it's, it's proclaiming a need that we have. 
because of the sin that we have, we need Jesus. Okay, we can go through and we can read a bunch of different verses talking about how our sin separates us from God. But that verse right there really sums up that because of the sin that we all have, that we are all born into, there's a payment that needs to be made. And that payment is death. And Jesus, it goes on in that verse to tell us about how Jesus made that payment for us. So as I said, you know, just something that meets a need isn't, isn't all it takes for a perfect gift, but a perfect gift does indeed meet a need. In this case, the need that we have is much greater than just replacing those socks that have holes in them, right? As, as great as that need is, this, the need that we have, the need of somebody to pay this payment, because if somebody else doesn't pay it, then we have to pay that eternal death. So we have this need that is greater than any other need that we're ever going to have physically while we're on earth. And Jesus made that payment for us. So a payment needs to be made. That's what we need to understand. A payment needs to be made. And we, again, we see that in Romans 6.23, and that because of our sin, we deserve that death. But Jesus, again, as we read on, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So right there, it even, it even uses the word gift for us there. It makes it easy for us. But that's what that is. Jesus is that gift that pays that need that is there because of our sin. And we also see if we were to turn to, I'm going to turn real quick to Colossians chapter 1. You don't have to turn there with me. But Colossians chapter 1, we're going to look at how uh, it's through the sacrifice that Christ made that we are redeemed. So Colossians chapter 1, my pages keep sticking to each other. Colossians chapter 1. It says there in verses 13 and 14, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. So right there, through what Christ did on the cross, through that gift that God gave us, his perfect son, by sending that we have redemption through his blood. So that need that is needed to be, is, that needs to be made is that payment of debt. But as we read through Romans, as we read through here in Colossians, what Christ did on the cross, the shedding of his blood, that payment is met through him so that we don't have to make that payment. So Christ made the payment and he met the need. So, again, that need that was needed to be paid was that death, and he, he paid that payment for us. So in doing so, he met the need. Christ made that payment, and he met the need. Now, again, it is through the sacrifice of Christ that we're able to be redeemed, and there's nothing that we can do ourselves. So, again, thinking back to kind of making the connection to the idea of giving gifts and things like that. Uh, there's sometimes where, you know, maybe, maybe the idea of giving a gift to somebody is just something that, that we can't do on our own, right? Sometimes we need help. Sometimes some of us love to have a list that somebody just gives us. Listen, you know what you love more than anybody else in the world. So I'm going to trust you that you make a list of things that you'd like for me to buy, and I'll just pick the one that I think is the best one on there for you. Okay, some of us need that help. Okay, but some of us, you know, you know we don't need that help. But in, in this case, we all need that help from somebody else. Otherwise, we are going to have to make that payment ourselves. So again, make that connection to buying something for people on our, on our list. If we're just horrible at giving gifts and we just have to bite the bullet and we have to get those gifts ourselves, it might be... At, it might be an interesting, you know, Christmas morning when those gifts are being opened and you get somebody some dryer sheets or think, well, you needed dryer sheets, right? I was over, you let me use the laundry, you were all out, you needed those things. You know, sometimes we're, that, that's what's going to happen, okay? But the idea that, that Christ made this payment that needed to be paid, if we had to do it, we would be experiencing eternal death. And so Jesus is the perfect gift because he, that perfect gift meets a need that needs to be paid, a payment that needs to be paid. So the takeaway for us in this area is that every one of us has a need for a Savior. Otherwise, we would have to make that payment of sin for ourselves. 
And that is why Jesus, him coming to earth and to eventually die on a cross for us in our place, that's why he is the perfect gift. Uh, just to kind of, uh, to, to kind of make a connection of something that we've been doing the last two Wednesdays uh, in youth group, uh, just because we have the shorter month uh, with Wednesdays and having time off for Christmas, we don't really go through a, a typical, you know, four-week series that we would do. We've just been doing two weeks, and what we did this year is we, in the first week, we looked back in the Old Testament about different prophecies talking about the Messiah to come. And we looked specifically at the ones that talked about how he would be born. And then the, the second week, we went into the, Old, or into the New Testament, and we saw where and how those prophecies were fulfilled when Jesus was born. And so making that connection that, first of all, God is faithful, right? God is faithful. He is all-knowing. He is all-powerful. He prophesied. He foretold these things would come, and they happened. He's faithful. But also, we saw how in this, Jesus, we were able to make the connection that Jesus is the Messiah. He is that Savior that we all needed. Him coming and being born on this earth is the perfect gift because he is the Messiah that we all need. So that's the first, the first aspect of a gift, what makes a perfect gift, right? A perfect gift meets a need. Again, but as I said, that's not always everything. Because, we, again, if we just met the need, it might be a pretty boring Christmas. Uh, the second thing that we're going to look at, though, is how a perfect gift has great value. A perfect gift has great value. Now... You might be thinking, well, that's like a little superficial, right? That's a little kind of heartless just to think, oh, this gift has a lot of value. You spent so much money on this gift. That's what makes this a perfect gift. Now, I want you guys to all think back to at any point in your life. It could be when you were a kid. It could be since then, whatever it is. Think back to the best gift that you ever remember receiving, okay? Now, there is a chance that maybe that gift was literally the most monetarily valuable gift that you've ever received. There's a chance that that's the case. But... I wouldn't, I would pretty much venture to say that that's not the reason why it's the best gift you ever received. Every, I would be pretty confident in saying that everybody in here, the best gift, their favorite gift they've ever received was because it has some kind of sentimental value. Okay, again, that could have some kind of financial value, whatever it is, but it has some kind of sentimental value, whether it's because of who it came from, whether the gift itself reminds you of somebody or, or a time that you spent with somebody else, whatever it is, the fact is the perfect gift has great value. Okay, And what we're going to do is we're going to look and see about how the, the gift of Jesus has great value. Now, it, 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 might be, it might seem pretty obvious as to how Jesus has great value, right? He's, he is God. He's the creator of the universe. But I want to look and see what makes the gift of him coming to the earth so valuable. So again, as, as I said before, I can, I can pretty confidently say that everybody in here, your favorite gift that you've ever gotten has great value. Because there's a reason that that's what gift that came to your mind when I said that. We all have that one gift because it means so much to us. Um, now, I could try and think about, you know, what my favorite gift, the most valuable gift that I've ever received, but I have a good amount of family in here, and somebody might use that as bragging rights of like, oh, I got him his favorite gift ever, okay? Um, but So we won't go down that road. But let's go ahead and look and see what the Bible says about how what makes the gift of Jesus so valuable. So the first thing I want to talk about is the fact that God gave his only son, his only son, you have there in the notes, should say John 3.16. That's probably one of the most famous verses ever. Pastor John uh, talked a few Sunday nights ago about how, you know, there are some verses that are kind of, you know, just as the culture shifts, there are more verses that are being, you know, more commonly used because, you know, a lot of times our culture likes to use verses out of context. But this verse is probably the most recognizable verse. Um, at the very least, the address of this verse is the most recognizable verse. 
You might, there's probably plenty of people, at least in our country, who have seen John 3.16 in all kinds of places. Bumper stickers, posters, in the background of somebody kicking a field goal. They might have no idea what it is, what it's about, but that John 3.16 is very recognizable. The reason it got to that point is because us as Christians, um, over time, that's the one that we go to really quickly because that is a great summation of what the gospel is and showing God's love for us. And so John 3.16 says that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So I want to focus on the fact that he gave his only son. All right. So I'm going to make it kind of a connection here. Okay. Think of any kind of collectible it is. All right. It could be any kind of trading card. It could be some kind of action figure, any kind of collectible. It could even be, you know, a car, right? Some kind of collectible that way. Each individual item, the, the value of it goes up and up as there's fewer of those things available, right? Because there's only 10 of these ever made. If you have one of them, think of how big the world is, how many people could have this. Only 10 people can have this thing. If you have one of them, that thing is very valuable, okay? So at the, fewer there are things, the fewer there are of certain things, each individual item, that value skyrockets. Now think of it this way. God gave his only son, this one of one, that's all it is, his one son, he was willing to send to the earth to die as a sacrifice for us so that we could have that relationship with him. He loved us that much that he was willing to send his only son. Again, as any time that there's multiple copies of things, the value goes down. Jesus is the only copy. He is God's only son. And so just think about that. The fact that he gave up the only son that he have, he, he loved us so much that he was willing to send his only son to die on a cross for us because, one, he knew that that's what had to be done because Jesus was perfect. We needed a perfect sacrifice. But, two, he did that because he loved us so much that that was what was needed in order to mend that, that relationship that was broken because of sin, as we saw in Romans 6.23. Because of that, he sent his only son. He loved us so much that he gave up the only thing he had. So think, think if you have just one thing. Go back to that favorite gift that you have. Again, thinking that there is some kind of sentimental value that, that has tied to that, and you had to give that up. Okay, that's the one thing that you have of that. Now, it's not anywhere close to giving up your only son or the, the sacrifice that God made. But think about what it would take for you to have to give that up. There's a reason that you were, that was your favorite gift. There would be something that enormous that you would have to, somebody would have to offer you or somebody would have to say, listen, if you want this, you have to give this up. Think about the sacrifice that that would be. And that's the just a fraction of the sacrifice that God made by sending his only son to die for us. But let's look at the aspect of from, from Jesus' side, right? Jesus, he gave his life for us. Romans 5, 8 says that, because, that even while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God loved us so much that in while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So in the same sense that God sacrificed his only son, Christ gave up his own life for us. And we're going to look in a, in a little bit, um, a little bit deeper into this passage. But John chapter 15 and verse 13 says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. This is the ultimate display of love that anybody could ever do. Christ died on a cross for us so that we wouldn't have to. And now this is a verse that maybe sometimes um, we, we use in our culture today to kind of describe people who are in lines of work where they, they kind of put their life on the line. Um, the difference is now those people, I, I applaud those people, very thankful for those people. They are willing to put their life on the line to protect other people. The difference of what here, what happened here is Jesus put his life on the line. He sacrificed his own life for his creation 
We're going all the way back to Genesis. God's own creation that he created turned their back on him, spit in his face, went against his will, and broke the one rule that he told them not to break. They, were, they bought into the lie that Satan gave them, and they turned their back on God, and God's own creation turned their back on him, spit in his face, and went against his will. Jesus, being God, that's his creation, he decided that he was going to sacrifice his own life for his creation that was willing to turn, his back, turn their back on him. And we continue to turn our back on him. Anytime that, that we sin, again, you, uh, the Garden of Eden is just the beginning, right? We read through Genesis. As we go throughout just Genesis, there's all kinds of crazy stuff going on where humanity is just awful, right? We look and say, how, how are they doing all these things? How are they so horrible? We're the exact same, all right? It, it's, we all have that sin in us. But we look back and we see all these horrible things, and we look at even specifically the children of Israel, his own people, multiple times, he had to send multiple judges to, to kind of get them back on track. They'd get back on track, and then eventually they'd be away from him again. Let, think about the patience that that has to take, the patience and the love to stick with those people, to stick with that creation, and then even go beyond that to give your own life for the creation that you made that turned its back against you. That is far greater than anything that, that people in our world who put their life you know, on the line to protect others as great as that is, that, that is, doesn't even touch what Christ did because he loved us so much that even though we spit in his face and he knew that that was going to happen when he created us, even though we did that, he was willing to put his life on the line and sacrifice his life for us. That's amazing value. First of all, it's God's only son. Second of all, Jesus showing, giving up his own life because of the love that he has for us. So the takeaway for us from this is that the best gifts, again, they have great value. And what can be more valuable than God's only son? Again, not only is it God's only son, but it's God's only son. Okay? I know he said the same thing. No, I emphasized on God this time because that is God, the creator of the universe. Jesus, being God's son, is perfect. So even anybody in here who only has one son, sure, your son's great, great kid, whatever. He's not anywhere as good as God's only son because he is perfect. And so... God's only son, what can be more valuable than God's only son? And what can be more valuable than God's only son giving up his life for us? So this idea that a perfect gift, well, what makes a perfect gift? Hopefully, again, you're taking notes in case you need to pick something up at Walmart after today. Well, what's perfect? Well, first of all, it meets a need. Okay, second of all, it has great value. Not sure what kind of value you'll get at Walmart, but might get a deal. Okay, the third thing I want to talk about this morning, though, is that a perfect gift is for everyone. A perfect gift is for everyone. So go ahead and, uh, again, we're in Luke chapter 2. We're going to be referencing this passage again. But before we do that, uh, I would like to say, just think about this idea. Again, we're making this connection of my actual Christmas list. If I'm putting together my actual Christmas list and I'm able to find a singular gift, the exact same thing, say I have 10 people on my list. If I'm able to buy 10 of the exact same thing and that's the perfect gift for everybody... That would be awesome, right? If you find this and you're like, oh, this is good for him because of this. Oh, she would love it too. And you're like, this gift works for literally everybody. Now, that would be awesome, one, because it makes your shopping a lot easier. You just hit 10 on Amazon and you order it, right? <laughs> Secondly, that would be awesome because by the last gift, you would be an expert at wrapping that gift. You've been able to work out all the kinks. You know exactly where to cut, exactly where to fold. That would be awesome. It's just an amazing, that, that's a great gift in and of itself if you're able to pull that off. Um, that would just be awesome. 
Unfortunately, I don't think that gift exists. If you have that gift or if you've experienced that, again, let me know because I would probably love one, okay? (laughs) But this idea of the perfect gift for everyone, back in Luke chapter 2, in verse 10, it says, this, again, this is the angels talking to the shepherds in the field. Now, before we jump back into this, we talked about this uh, Friday night at our, our youth Christmas party. This is the most insane thing that's ever happened to these shepherds. It's the most insane thing that would ever happen to any of us. You're just out doing your job in the field, and all of a sudden, there's just angels everywhere. That would be the craziest thing ever. That, nothing else topped that, Okay. Think about that as well. We we kind of gloss over that a lot of times. This happened to these shepherds. Now, again, it was amazing. It was awesome. Obviously, they were being told about the Messiah. They got to go see him. They got to tell everybody what they saw and what they heard. But the rest of their lives, they just wake up on a Thursday. They were like, well, didn't see any angels today. But it was a good day, but didn't see any angels. Uh, Just kind of a letdown. But this is the most amazing thing that these guys ever saw, at least until they actually went to go see Jesus. Okay? I should take that back Seeing Jesus beats everything, okay? Uh, But here we see the angels showing up to the shepherds, and they say, uh, For fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. All people. It doesn't then go on and give uh, exceptions of all people except for these people, um, all people except for, you know, any kind of, you know, job that somebody has. Everybody. This is for everybody. It's clearly for everybody if they're talking to shepherds to begin with, right? Again, if you're writing this story, the people that get this news first are not shepherds. They're, they're pretty far down on the totem pole. That's just another example about how God's plan and God's knowledge and everything is far greater than ours. But John chapter 1, verse 29, this is John the Baptist talking. It says, The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. So again, he's not saying take away the sin of and then list like 150 different guys. He says he's there, he comes to take away the sin of the world. So there, again, there's no exceptions there. So again, this gift of, of Jesus, this gift of salvation is so perfect because it's for everybody. So as we go back into, into Luke and we look at what he, uh, it says there in Luke chapter 2, this idea of great joy to all people. This gift of Jesus is great joy to all people. Now, this is pretty self-explanatory as we read this. Well, what does this mean? Well, again, it's an amazing, it's amazing bit of news. It's going to bring great joy to literally everybody. And the great joy that is the birth of Christ, why is it so great? Because, again, this is the coming of the Messiah. This is the one who's come to save the world from the sin that they've committed so that they can once again have that relationship with God and live forever and not have to experience that eternal death. This is such great news and great joy, especially for, again, you think of of, of the Jewish people. They've been hearing about this Messiah for so long, and now he's come. This is happening. This is it. This is what we've been learning about. This is what we've been hearing about, what we've been planning for. He's here. And so, again, now, as we read through the Bible— it was, everybody didn't just immediately be like, all right, awesome, this is it. There were so many people who doubted. I'm sure when the shepherds, after they saw him, when they went to tell everybody that they came in contact with, they're like, all right, yeah, sure, right. I'm sure you saw him, right? The shepherds got to see Jesus first, right? They had probably had plenty of people doubting them. But again, this is the greatest news for literally everybody. This is for all people. And then going back into that passage in John chapter 1, where John the Baptist, he's talking, he already has people following him, listening to him. He has his own disciples, and he's saying, listen, and he's already told them before that he's just here to kind of pave the way. 
and he, re- he sees Jesus coming. He says, this is the guy. This is the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sin of the world. And even then, after that, the, the people who are hearing this, people who are following after John, you know, they, they maybe question that this is, this is the guy. Because he, we, as we read in the Bible, there wasn't anything, like he, he wouldn't have stood out in a lineup, right? He would have fit right in in a lineup. But we know that through who he was and what he taught, he was, he was on a completely different level because he was God in man form. So this idea of, of him coming to take away the sin of the world, again, this one is pretty straightforward. Pretty straightforward that it's for the sin of the world. Now, that's important for, for a lot of us to hear, really, literally every one of us to hear, no matter where you stand. Okay, if you're somebody who's already accepted that, get the salvation, you are already saved. You have, you know what the gospel is all about. You have been saved. And for us, that's important to remember because we know that we've been called to take the gospel to the world all the world around us. We need to, you know, send missionaries all over. We need to actually witness the people ourselves. That's something that we were called. That was the last thing that Jesus said before he left, is to take the gospel to the world around us and to make disciples. We aren't to then, you know, make exceptions, make stipulations of, well, I don't want to share it with that person because, you know, I don't really get along with them. They have different beliefs than me. They, you know, they do things differently than I do, or I'm just, you know, Whatever it might be, you know, I'm sure a lot of us who are saved, we've, we've had that moment where we, we know somebody, we've seen somebody, and we just know that, that God wants me to go share the gospel with this person. And for whatever reason, whether it's just nerves or, again, we don't, I don't know, the, the person looks like they're not going to be very accepting of the, of the message. For whatever reason, we, we pass on those opportunities sometimes. But that's not for us to decide who should hear the, the gospel. We are just called to take the gospel to them. And God is the one who saves them. We're called to take it to everybody. Again, there's no exceptions. In fact, when Jesus is giving the Great Commission, he lists off specific places. He says the area right around you and then a little bit bigger. And they're like, okay, I think I can at least cover those first two. And then he ends up eventually saying to the ends of the earth, okay? He covers everything. That's for those people who are, you know, the guy in the back is like, yeah, but what about these people? Are we no, everybody, the entire world. It's not for us to decide as Christians who is to hear the gospel, who the gospel is for. And for those of us who, who if you're here and you haven't accepted that gift of salvation, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. The gift of Jesus, the gift of salvation is for you. And it's free. All we have to do is just accept it. We have to just give our lives over to him, and it's entirely free. We don't have to do certain things. We don't have to, you know, reach level five before we can accept the gift of salvation. It's for everybody. So this idea that this great joy is for all people, that Christ came to to take away the sin of the world, that's great news for all of us, saved or unsaved, because this gift of salvation is for everybody. So, again, the takeaway that we can take from this is it's just that simple. Salvation is for everyone. Uh, and again, that, that's good for those of us who are saved, those of us who are unsaved. And it, it's just an awesome thing to think about that, again, that there's nothing that we can do to lose it as well, okay? Now, again, making that connection at Christmas, um, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but if you're a parent and after Christmas, maybe your child wasn't exactly behaving all that well, and maybe, maybe you threatened, hey, if you keep it up, I'm going to take that gift back. Um, I'm sure, you know, I may have heard that before. Um, probably not as much as my siblings. I'll say that much at least. Um, but I had heard that before, whether it was Christmas or birthday, whatever. Uh, 
but that's the great thing about salvation. There's nothing that we can do. There's no amount of mis, like misbehaving that we can do to lose it. Now, again, that doesn't give us the right to just do whatever we want. But that's because that, that's just an amazing reminder, an amazing thing to think about, and an encouragement to think that there's nothing I can do to lose it. Now, why is that encouraging? It's encouraging because it means that I don't have to do certain things to earn it. Because if we had to do things to earn it, none of us would be able to earn it. None of us would be able to meet those expectations that, that are given to, to have to you know, meet that criteria because it would be literally perfection. So we, we've seen how a perfect gift meets a need, has great value. Uh, a perfect need, or I'm sorry, a perfect gift is for everybody. And now we're going to talk about how a perfect gift expresses love. A perfect gift expresses love. I said we're going to go back there, so go to John chapter 15. John chapter 15, we'll read a couple verses there. Uh, in, the, in the Bibles in the seats, that's page 757. Page 757. <clears throat> now, before I go into this passage here, we're going to read three verses there. But before I do that, <clears throat> again, we've already looked at one of the verses here about seeing how this is the greatest display of love. Or about how this is uh, the greatest display of love from, from Jesus specifically. But as we go through this passage, we're going to read a few more verses, and we're going to see how that, the love that is, is displayed here, that's talked about here in this passage, there's also something that we have to do with this. We have a job in this passage as well. So uh, we want to show the people on our list that we care about them, right? That's when we're trying to think of a perfect gift, we're wanting to show these people. Even, even if somebody gives you a list and you're buying something off the list, you're at least showing them that you care enough about them to listen to what they have to say right, to, to go off of their list. But the idea of getting somebody a perfect gift, why do we want to do that? Why do we want to, to give somebody a perfect gift? Hopefully it's not a competition of like, well, I got you a better gift, or hopefully we're not doing it out of an obligation because, well, I, I have to get them a gift. Hopefully when we're getting somebody that gift, when we're filling out our list and we're trying to find that perfect gift, it's because we want to show the people in our lives that we care about them, right, that, we, that they're important to us, that we love them. And that's, that's what happened with the gift of Jesus. We already talked a little bit about that, but how this is a great and the most perfect display of love. So let's see in what the Bible says about how this is the greatest display of love. So we're going to, again, look at John chapter 15 and verse 13, and, and we see how there is no greater love. There is no greater love. Verse 13 in John 15 says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. So as I said, we've already looked at this. Uh, but we were really looking specifically at the aspect of him giving up his life. And we touched a little bit on, about, a little bit on how uh, that shows his love. We were really looking at specifically him giving up his life to establish the value of this gift. But we see that this is literally the greatest display of love that anybody could do. And we already talked about the people uh, who have jobs who do this. Uh, but to, to love us enough that even though we sin against him to still die for us, there's no greater love, there's no greater display of love than that. And Jesus loved us so much that he was willing to do that. And as we saw in, in, in Romans 5, that this happened while we were still sinners, Romans 5, 8, that he did this, he died for us while we were still sinning against him. Again, the greatest display of love. But how I really want to expand it here from what we looked at earlier is, is looking at verse 12. But let's read verses 12 through 14. In John chapter 15, it says, This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. 
Ye are my friends if ye do what, if ye do whatsoever I command you. So this idea of love one another as he has loved us. Now you might be thinking, well, he just said that there's no greater love than what he did by dying on the cross for me, dying in, in my place. How am I supposed to love one another as he has loved us? Well, again, think about, we've already looked at what the gift of salvation is and, and what it means to us. The greatest gift that we can give anybody is sharing them the gift of Jesus, sharing with them the gift of Jesus, sharing the love that we've received from Christ and expressing that towards them. So again, we're to share that love that we've received from Christ with others. And in doing so, or by doing that, we're able to do uh, what we've been called to do as Christians, to share the gospel with them, to share the truth of Jesus, because that's what we've been called to do. But also that's the greatest way that we can show love to anybody. Go back to what I said about trying to find that perfect gift for everybody on your list. list. You want to show them that you love them. Okay? That's how we should be looking at the entire world. That's how we're able to see the world and say, okay, this gift of salvation, this gift of Jesus is for everybody. There's no exceptions because if we are viewing the world as Jesus did, then in loving the world how Jesus did, then we are willing to share it with everybody that we come in contact with. And something that is always a great reminder to me, and uh, I don't remember who it was that said it. All I know is that uh, the person was an atheist. And basically, I think they still are an atheist, but basically what they said is, so they, they understand the concept of the, the gospel. They've, they've heard it and things like that. Basically, their criticism is, if you truly believe that, if you're a Christian and you truly believe that, why aren't you doing everything that you possibly can to tell everybody? If we truly believe the truth that the Bible tells us, that Jesus is the only way, to spend eternity with God, the only way to avoid eternal death in hell. If we truly believe that, why aren't we doing whatever we can to tell everybody we can whenever we can? Because like, that's how we need to view the world. Understanding, first of all, that I'm not special, more special than anybody else. Jesus didn't come to die just specifically for me. We saw about how he came to take away the sins of the world. And if I truly believe that, then I know it's for everybody. And also I know that if they don't hear it, and that if, if they don't accept that gift of salvation, I know what their eternity is. Their eternity is eternal death and hell. So why am I not doing whatever I can to with every, everything that I do to share the gospel with people? And that's, that's such a very, it, the sad thing is it's true and it's very convicting. And it's sad that it is coming from somebody who doesn't believe. But they're able to just kind of witness. They, they know what you claim to believe, but, you know, you're really kind of standoffish and shy about sharing it with me. It's, it's, so that's, that's very convicting that it would come from somebody who, who doesn't claim to believe, but they understand that that's how it should be. He basically, I think the connection that the person made is if I knew that you were getting on a plane and I knew that plane was going to crash and I didn't do anything to like, be like, hey, don't get on that plane, it's going to crash. If I didn't do everything I could to stop you, I'm the biggest jerk in the world. And that's really what it, what it is. If, if we're not trying to do with all of our efforts, share the gospel with people, then really we're just holding on to ourselves. And, but that's how we're able to share that love. That's how we're able to love how Christ loved, is to share that gospel, the truth of Jesus, with everybody. Not giving any ex- exceptions, not making up excuses for ourselves, but to try and share it with literally everybody. So this, this gift of Jesus is the greatest display of love ever. And the greatest display of love that we can do for anyone is to share that love, that truth, and the gift of Jesus with them. So just to kind of wrap things up a little bit, just to kind of, okay, this genuinely came to my mind. This was not meant to be any kind of fun, but to put a bow on it. 
Um, I'm actually kind of upset at myself about that one. It's not in the notes. I'll show the notes later. It's not there. Um, that just came in my mind. To put a bow on this, uh, when it comes to finding the perfect gift for everybody on your list, it, I, you can prove me wrong, but I don't think that's ever going to happen with physical gifts. But the way that we can do it and literally give the perfect gift for everybody on our list is to sharing the, the, the gift of Jesus with them. Okay, And to encourage, maybe the ones who've already received that gift of Jesus, to encourage them by reminding them about what the gift of Jesus is. And coming alongside and just being that, that, that family of God, coming alongside and encouraging each other. So we can get that perfect gift for everybody on our list, and that gift is Jesus. And, and we can celebrate that perfect gift with everybody on our list as well. But why is Jesus a perfect gift? Okay, We already saw that he meets a need. That need that, was, that we all have is we need, there's a payment that needs to be made because of the sin that we have. We are all born into sin, and because of that, a payment needs to be made, and that payment is death. But that, that verse goes on, says the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He's the one who makes the payment. He meets that need. Jesus is a perfect gift because he meets a need. Also, Jesus is a perfect gift because he has great value, right? What, what's greater value than the only son of God giving up his own life for us, even though we are still sinning, right? It says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He, it wasn't like he, he kind of was like, all right, if you can go three days without it, then I'll do it. He's not sitting around waiting, and then the clock restarts every time we sin. If, if that was the case, the clock would just keep, keep going, right? But while we were still sinning, he died for us. So the value, the great value of this perfect gift of Jesus is that he's God's only son. God loved us so much that he sent his only son. And it also has great value because Jesus gave up his own life for us. The gift of Jesus is also perfect because it's for literally for everybody. And that's great news for all of us. That's great news for the world. All we have to do is let everybody know that that's the case, that there's no expectations, there's no stipulations on to, as to who receives this gift, okay, as to who's allowed to hear this gift. This gift is for everybody. Christ came to, to save the sins of the world, to take away the sins of the world. This is great joy, great news to all people. And finally, the gift of Jesus is perfect because it's the greatest display of love that has ever happened, that will ever happen. And that's something, again, this time of year, you know, we already talked about how when it comes to Christmas, uh, we're getting these gifts for people. And sometimes maybe we feel like there is an obligation that we have to give gifts to these people because I don't want to be the one who doesn't give a gift. I don't want them to give me a gift and then I'm the, the jerk who, who didn't give a gift back. Um, but in the reason that we would feel guilty is probably because we actually care about this person, right? This time of year about getting gifts for people, filling out this list of, of all these gifts that we're going to buy, it's because we want to show these people that we care about them. We love them. They're important to us. And Jesus did that more than anybody ever could have or ever will be able to by giving his life for us, sacrificing so that we don't have to do that ourselves. And so because of that, that is literally the greatest display of love. And the greatest display of love that we can do is sharing that gift with those that we come in contact with. And so based on those four things and many, many more things, we could spend all week here going through different reasons as to why Jesus is the perfect gift. But because of those four different things, Jesus is the perfect gift for literally everyone on your list. So how do we apply this to our lives? <clears throat> well, as I said before, there's really two, two groups of people that, can, that exist, really. There's only two groups of people. And that first group is those who've already accepted this gift of salvation. That first group is 
those of us who, who call ourselves Christians, followers of Christ. For us, again, we are called to take the gospel to the entire world. We are called to take it to the whole world, just as Jesus came for the whole world. We're called to take it to the whole world. Again, no exceptions. And so what do we do? We are able to share this love each and every day with everybody we come in contact with. We're able to share this love by giving to missions. We're able to share this love by just serving those around us and pointing everyone back towards Christ with everything that we do. That's how we can apply this to our lives, is saying, okay, I know that this is the greatest gift that I've ever received, right? And so that was kind of a trick question earlier when I asked you to think about what's the greatest gift you ever received. Well, if you're a follower of Christ, the easy answer, the, the Sunday school answer is Jesus. But that's true, right? Sometimes the Sunday school answer, the simplest answer, is the greatest truth. There's a reason why we teach those stories in Sunday school, because we're teaching the, the, the kids truth. We're teaching them what they need to know, the most important things. But so that's how, we're, as followers of Christ, we're able to take this and we're able to enjoy this gift, celebrate this gift, encourage each other with this gift, but also to take it to the world around us and share that love with anyone that we come in contact with. But for those who haven't accepted the gift of Jesus... How do we apply this to ourselves? Well, if you haven't received the gift of salvation yet, again, it doesn't matter who you are, what your background looks like, you know, who, whatever, whatever it is that you've done, it doesn't matter any of those things. You can receive this gift. We've already seen in multiple passages about how this gift is literally for everyone. He doesn't list, well, unless you've done these six different things, you can't accept this gift. He says it's just for everyone. He comes to take away the sin of the world. This is great joy to all people. This gift of Jesus is for you if you have not received it yet. There's no exceptions whatsoever. And it's because God loved you and continues to love you so much that he sent his son. And Jesus loves you so much that he was willing to die on a cross for you. And that, that sacrifice, that, that, you know, stepping, coming down from heaven, becoming a man, and, and dying on a cross, that is the greatest gift that you will ever receive. There will never be anything to ever top it, and nothing will ever come close now, again, for, for those of us who are saved and have already given that gift, and, and maybe everybody on our gift or on our list has already accepted Christ as far as we know, that doesn't mean you don't have to get them any gifts going forward, all right? But this is the greatest gift that you can give everybody. This is the greatest gift that we can receive. And again, this gift, as much as we might do it sometimes, this should not be a gift that we get tired of playing with, right? And then like five minutes later, we're sick of. This is a gift that we can enjoy and and just live life and, and receive his love forever. It's, it's not something that the battery dies or anything like that. This is the greatest gift because it is forever. There's nothing we can do to lose it. There's nothing we can do to earn it. It was completely out of love. So hopefully, hopefully this is an encouragement to you. Uh, hopefully we're able to get a little bit, of, a few tips uh, as far as putting together your physical list. But let's go ahead and pray. And just be grateful this, this Christmas season for the gift of Jesus. Uh, if you've already accepted that gift. And, and for those, if you haven't, uh, receive that gift of Jesus. I, I pray that you would just think about what we talked about this morning. Consider the truth that we've, we've looked into about how this is the greatest gift, the greatest display of love, the most valuable gift. It meets the need that we all have, and it's for everybody. It's for you. Let's pray. Dear God, I just thank you for this morning, for allowing us to come together, and uh, again, just to worship you and just to celebrate your birth, God. And we know that we celebrate your birth because that meant that eventually you would, you would come and, and, and die on a cross for us and be that sacrifice that we needed. Because if you hadn't done that, God, we would have to make that payment ourselves. So I thank you for that sacrifice you made. I thank you for showing the greatest display of love that will ever be seen, God. And I just thank you again for this time of year as a reminder. 
But God, I pray that we, we wouldn't stop celebrating that, we wouldn't stop thinking about that, and we definitely wouldn't stop sharing that when this time of year ends, God. And I just pray that as we, we continue and go throughout this next week leading up to Christmas, that we can just, you know, sometimes it can be so stressful. Um, sometimes the Christmas holiday is not a very fun one for people. Maybe they associate it with the loss of a loved one. Uh, whatever it is, God, I pray that we know that we can find that joy in you. So, God, I pray that as we go throughout this next week, as we get closer to Christmas, that we would just uh, experience and embrace that joy, embrace the love that you've given us, God. I pray if there is anybody here who hasn't accepted that gift of Jesus, that they would do that, that God, that you would uh, even now be working on their heart, that they would find somebody close to them, that they would find somebody, maybe a friend, a family member, uh, somebody in this church, and ask questions, God. I pray that you would, again, just, just work on their heart, that they would accept that gift. And God, again, just pray that you be with us as we continue uh, into this time of invitation. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.